you leave here and you go, oh, that was a great message, whatever. That's about what I believe. It's like, whatever. Uh, but if you leave here and you're having conversation afterwards, that excites me. Uh, if you're having conversation in, in the middle of the week, that excites me. And uh, I was having conversation in the middle of the week with uh, Matt about the passage that we wrapped up with on last Sunday, which was John chapter 15, verse 6. And I think a lot of times, well, for some of us, we just like to talk Bible, just like to see if we can figure out God and try to understand him a little bit more as we as we grasp that and understand who he is. It causes us to love him more, which causes us to be obedient more, which we'll figure out in today's message. But uh, probably had a discussion over something that was non-essential. You know, the essentials are that Jesus is the Son of God and that he was crucified, his blood was poured out for the forgiveness of our sins, as Keith prayed there, all of our sins, and that he was buried and he rose again and he uh, sits at the right hand of God and they sent a Holy Spirit to, to take, take up residence in our mortal bodies. So there's a holy living God inside of you. That's pretty much the gospel. That's the essential. Yeah, that's a, that's a good word. Gospel meaning good news. You can say woohoo, dilly dilly. Uh, but there's like non-essentials and uh, just kind of discussing them. The passage that I wrapped up on was verse 6. It says, if anyone does not remain in me, He's thrown aside like a branch and he withers. That's the verse that <laughs> people have always been put under control uh, because of the interpretation of it. If you, don't, if you don't reproduce, if you don't get to work as a Christian, it's your responsibility, then you're going to be like burnt, like literally cast into hell because you're useless. That's, that's literally taught that way which doesn't line up with the rest of the Gospels. That doesn't even make sense. So when we talked about it last Sunday, we talked about it talking about our works. What is it that actually gets burned up is our, our works. It says they gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. So we went to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12 through 15. Let me read it real quick to you because we've already talked about it. It says, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become obvious. For the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test the, the quality, the quality of each one's work, not the quantity. If anyone's work that he has built survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will experience loss, but he himself will be saved, but only as through the fire. Now, that there tells me that there's a judgment. That in 1 Corinthians, and we call that the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat. There's another judgment that's mentioned in Revelation, and it has the name of the great white throne judgment. The great white throne judgment is not for the believers. That's for the non-believers. Like, that, that, that's the bad judgment. <laughs> and, and trust me, you guys are not a part of that. But you are part of this judgment seat where... He's taking your works, and I said last week that, you know, your works are listed there in heaven and that he puts those through the fire, and the things that were done in your own strength, your own flesh, and everything just burn up, and everything that Christ has done through you, those works, 
you'll be rewarded for those. So Matt and I began to have our discussion on Wednesday morning. He goes, do you really think that our, our works done in the flesh will be listed in heaven? I, I don't know the answer. <laughs> I don't know the answer. And I don't know if Matt does. He might tell you that he does. But uh, I don't know if I know the answer. But it's interesting if you think about it. If you go to Romans chapter 14, verse 23, it says, Any, Everything that is not from faith is sin. Right? You, just track with me for a second. Anything that is not from faith is sin. So now when somebody asks you what is sin, you can go to Romans fourteen twenty three and you can say, well, anything that's not done in faith. Anything that's not done through Christ. So your works, your selfish works, your works done in the flesh, your works done in your own strength, that's sin. I even said that last week. But if Romans 8, 1 says, therefore... For those who are now in Christ, there is no condemnation. So I get to heaven, there's no condemnation. Jesus has already died for all my sins. Even the works that I've done in my flesh, he's already like dealt with them. So the question is, are my works done in the flesh going to be in heaven? I, I don't know. I don't know, but it's just a cool thought to think about if... If it's like Matt said, we talk about our, we get up there and our hard drive, everything that is done outside of faith is deleted off of our hard drive that we don't even think about it. That's a cool thought. And even if my sins are listed in, not my sins, but my things uh, done in my own strength are listed in heaven, they go through the fire, uh, there's no penalty for that. There's no condemnation for that. You get it? Because then it wouldn't fly with the rest of God's word. So that judgment seat that people freak out about is really going to be an, a cool thing for us as believers. No matter what it looks like. But have healthy, good conversations. Think about the things of, of above. Process not only what you hear here, but what you see and what you experience with those around you. That excites me. So now let's pick up to it, to where we are in verse 7. And this is a concept <laughs> that, that Jesus has been talking about with his disciples. Remember this, okay? Remember this. If the disciples are anywhere from 17 to... 35 years old you got some teenagers in there you got young men in there may have one or two older ones the 12 judas has already left so now you're down to 11 that are hanging out with jesus judas was eventually replaced but not during this night so jesus is hanging there with his 11 disciples and he just keeps reiterating the same thing over and over if I keep telling you the same thing over and over, if I keep telling you your identity in Christ every week about who you are, what Jesus has done for you, that he's made you holy, righteous, and redeemed, what do you think I'm trying to convey to you? You're, you're honestly not going to remember any of my messages, but you may remember the point that you're holy, righteous, and redeemed because we've talked about it over and over and over and over and over again, right? 
So here's Jesus, and he's doing the same thing with the disciples. He just keeps repeating this same message to them because he wants them to figure this out. Because if they figure this thing out, (laughs) which they're not going to until they get what you've got. You've got what the disciples don't have at this point in the scripture. That is a Holy Spirit living inside of you. They didn't have that. That didn't come until Acts chapter 2, until Jesus was actually crucified, buried, and rose again. So he says to them in red letters, If you remain, if you abide in me, and my words remain, abide in you, ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. That sounds great, doesn't it? You get whatever you want. You ever heard that taught? Hey, if you just remain in me, if you abide in me and my words in you, (laughs) that sounds like it's a formula that if I memorize the Bible, God's going to give me whatever I want, right? Right? That's what it, if you ask whatever you want, my words remain in you. If I memorize this word, God's going to give me what I want. Well, let's break this back down again, what he's already talked about. He says, remain, abide. What does it mean to abide? We've said in the last couple of weeks that abide means to live your life by another source. How in the world do you live, live your life by another source? Is it possible to live your life by another source? If you are doing things in your own strength, your own selfish ways, which we've all done, you realize, you guys realize that this is the whole old covenant, right? The whole old covenant was lived out in their flesh. God gave them the law and said, here, obey this law, and they couldn't obey the law. Because they were doing it in their own flesh. They didn't have a spirit with them in the old covenant. Moses, David, go through the whole list. Even Daniel, who did pretty good. <laughs> Daniel, did, Job did pretty good. But they, they didn't have that power that you have. So he says, abide in me. He's like, you need to learn to cut out what you've learned, which is living by your own selfish self, your own flesh, and you need to live by me. Remain in me. And I promise you, if you remain in me, I will remain in you. I'll be there the whole time if you just remain in me. You have to yield your life to that of Jesus. Abiding means to keep in fellowship with Christ so that his life can work in and through us to produce fruit. That's what the definition of abiding means in the scripture. So everybody goes, okay, so what does abiding by faith look like for you, Rusty? I don't have... uh, I don't have an example off the top of my head, but let's just say when uh, this is over, I'm going to, uh, 
I'm going to stand around here and I'm going to talk to people and I'm going to kind of see who sticks around. I'm going to see who goes where to eat. I'm going to sit here and try to decide, do I stay here at Pinheads and I eat? Probably sit down and see Marla back there or whatever and say, yeah, I'm going to stay here with Marla, whoever wants to stay with me. She's going to bring me a menu out. I'm going to look at that menu and... uh, I'm going to decide, Lord, what is it that you want me to eat today? You really think that I do that? You really think that I do that? That's what I do. But I don't have to sit there and say, Lord, what am I supposed to eat today? It's become such a natural thing, it just happens. It just happens. Like, when I pulled in the parking lot, I had to make a choice of where I was going to park, right? You think I'm crazy. You think I'm crazy, but this is really what it just means to walk by the Spirit. Really. To just hang out with Him and let Him make your decisions for you. Now, I'm sitting there, I know in this room, there's people that are absolutely going, yeah, that makes sense. And there are people going, that's crazy, that doesn't even make sense, it just, I don't get it. I was there. I was there. So, do you ever make flesh decisions? Oh, yeah, <laughs> I make flesh decisions. I make selfish decisions all the time. Sometimes the Lord tells me what to eat, and I decide to eat something else. (laughs) You hear what I'm saying? Uh, Sometimes uh, the Lord tells me to speak to someone, and I decide not to. So I still sometimes act out in the flesh. I still sometimes sin. I still sometimes do things outside of faith. I still sometimes don't abide with the Father. But the truth is, my heart is in tune with the Father. Like, I study His Word. I hang out with believers. I walk outside. And I'm constantly thinking about my Father. Constantly. It wasn't always that way. It wasn't always that way. I can remember times being in my recliner and and just crying out, Lord, I want to be spiritually mature as my mom. I want to be like her. She gets up at like 5 in the morning and prays for everybody. I want to be like her. It's taken time for me to get where I am. It's taken time. I hang out with these teenagers at camp, and I want them to be where I am, but I realize that there's a journey that they've got to go through. My prayer is that the Lord will get them there. That's my prayer. Is that the Lord would do that. You see, because this is what we hear about abiding. This is a risk that I'm taking in this very room. Because what you've heard about abiding is this. This abiding relationship is natural to the branch and the vine. But it must be cultivated in the Christian life. They just said right there, you have to do something. 
This is what you hear. It is not automatic. Abiding in Christ demands worship, meditation on God's word, prayer, sacrifice, and service. But what a joyful experience it is. (laughs) Did you hear that? They're like, you have to do this, 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 and this, but oh, it's so awesome. Well, listen to me. I absolutely believe in reading God's word. I absolutely believe in meditating. I absolutely believe in prayer, but it's not work for me. It's something that I get to do. It's a joy that I get to do. And it's because the Father has led me to do that. That's what it is. And when it becomes something of pleasure rather than of chores, it's a totally different mindset. It's what abiding should look like. It's not about memorizing the Word of God. This is about knowing your father so well that whatever he wants that's what you want that's what it comes down to i know jesus was so in tune with the father that when he prayed and he asked for things he knew it's what god wanted for his life So when he says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, if you know me so well, if you abide in me and I in you, you're going to know exactly what I want for your life. And when you communicate, when you pray, and when you ask, we're going to be on the same page. That's what that verse means. It's not a formula for getting what you want. It's a result of knowing the Father. Uh, I... I talk about this one passage all the time, and you guys are getting ready to experience it if you're going to go through First John. But First John chapter 2, he says, I write to you children because you understand forgiveness. Even a child understands forgiveness that all their sins have been forgiven. All their sins have been forgiven. There's not too many of the people in the church that understand that, that first level of maturity. And then he says, I write to you young men because you understand how to overcome the evil one. You overcome the evil one because you know the game that's played right up here in this head and the power of sin that dwells in our flesh. And it's always sending these mixed signals to us, but we have the mind of Christ. And so there's a, there's a battle going on, but it all happens right here. And the young, mature men in the faith will understand how to overcome the evil one's game of that. But then he says, I write to the fathers because the fathers know the one who is from the beginning. They have this intimate relationship with the creator. How do you get to that third level, that intimate relationship with the creator is because you just know the father. That you know him so well, you know what to pray for. You know what to ask. This is what Jesus is saying to those 11. He's like, you're going to get there. And this is how you know that you get there. Is because this will happen. Then he says in verse 8, he says, My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Again, it's taught if you produce a lot of fruit, if you go out and do this, then you're going to make God the Father happy. You're going to put a smile on his face, which isn't the case at all. 
Because if you're doing it in, the, in your own strength, if you're doing it outside of faith, that's sin. What he's literally saying there is how is fruit born through your lives? We talked about this last week. Who's responsible for producing the fruit? The gardener, the father. Remember when the, when the branch that was connected to the vine became disconnected or was limp off that vine? He would prop it up. He would lift it up so that it would continue to produce fruit. You, the branch, can't do the fruit. You can't produce the fruit. It's him that does it through the vine, through the branch. He produces the fruit. And when when that happens, when you go out and do things in Jesus' name, in Jesus' strength, the Father is absolutely glorified because he's doing it through Jesus, through you. That's it. That's it. That's the whole thing. How, so you've got to figure out, how do I step aside? How do I know the Father so well that I just abide in him and I can just rest? I can rest. I pray that all the time. Lord, don't let me get in the way. Get me out of the way. Somehow show me, shut my mouth. Show me what I'm supposed to say and what I'm not supposed to say. Show me where I'm supposed to get involved and where I'm not supposed to get involved. Lord, I need you to do this. I promise you, you get there, there's going to be unthinkable, crazy things that happen in your life. You could never, ever imagine the things that would happen. You hope that you do a lot, but I pray that it's the Father doing a lot through you. Uh, You know, uh, many of these things that I'm talking about, many of these works that we're talking about, could be uh, counterfeited by the flesh for sure. But the deception would eventually be detected and the real spiritual fruit in it uh, produces more fruit. In other words, this. If I were up here and I had an apple and I cut that apple open, what's going to be inside that apple? It's going to be fruit, but there's also going to be what? Seeds. And what do the seeds produce? more fruit this is the whole deal if you want to like figure out are your works counterfeit or are they the real deal you can probably see if they'll continue on because that's the way the lord works if it's counterfeit if it's flesh it's probably going to end at you it's probably going to end at you if it's through the Spirit, there's going to be fruit, there's going to be more fruit, and there will be continual fruit. I promise you. And then he says in verse 9, he says, As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. Remember, he's saying this to the 11 disciples. 
there's only one way to do this verse. There's only one way to do this verse. And that's yielding your life to another source. That's it. You may be pretty good at loving people. But I promise you, if you want to be successful, it's going to take Jesus loving other people through you. Because you will fail. Christ's love becomes the disciples' love for each other. And, you know, we I've grown up in the church, and we've always prayed about the unity of the church. We've got to be unified. We've got to be on the same page and everything else. We have meetings. We vote on things, and da-da-da, not here. <laughs> uh, but we've always voted on things, and for the sake of the unity of the church, we've got to be together and be united and everything else. That's a farce unless you're united through Christ. I promise you, that church will not survive unless the one thing that they become unified in is the love of Jesus Christ through their Father. I promise you. That's the one unified thing in this room right here. If it's anything else from that, then we're missing out. We're blowing it. Unity comes through, just as it says, as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. When we've been opposed, when we've been hated, when we've been uh, belittled, when we've even become irritated by others, we're given a free pass. We're given a free pass to say, okay, I don't have to love them. You give yourself that free pass. I'm just going to ignore them. I'm going to set them aside. But Jesus says, as the fathers loved me, I've also loved you. I loved you as you were. I loved you with all your faults. I loved you with all your sin. I loved you with all your little annoyances. I've loved you. So, why wouldn't you love everybody else? Just as I've loved you. We think we get a free pass. That's just our flesh. Christ says, love them as I've loved you. You're sitting there thinking about the person that just annoys you the most right now. And you're going, there is no stinking way. I get it. get it and I'll go back to this how do you love them know the father remain in the father abide in me 
know the Father. Figure it out. Get to know the Father. And when you get to know the Father, He's going to love the most annoying person in your life through you. You promises. It's not a command. It's a promise. This is the way it's going to fall out. Yield your life to me, and I'll do it for you. Remain, abide in me, and I'll do it for you. I got you. He says to the eleven, I got you. He says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. <laughs> oh, gosh, here we go with those commandments again. Well, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. What are his commandments? We go to 1 John. We go to 1 John again, chapter 3. You guys are going to have a great time in that study. But here's what his commandments are after he's like died. He says, now this is his command that we believe in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he commanded us. That's it. He says, obey our commands. What are you supposed to do? Believe in Jesus and love others. That's it. That's your whole deal. Believe in Jesus. And I promise you, if you just believe in Jesus, that he's going to do the second part for you. Just believe. Gosh, you make this sound so simple. I get it. It's tough. Love Jesus, and you will love others. Now, you can uh, go back to that, uh, if you keep my commands, verse uh, verse 10. If, if you read this as a command, which is probably what you were taught, it was taught that way to control your behavior. You realize that. It's all about your behavior, how you behave as believers, as Christians. We've got to make the church look good. So we're going to control you by telling you this is the way that you behave. Or you can sit there and read that as a result of abiding in Christ. If you abide in Christ, this is what it looks like. You're going to obey my commands. One, because I love my Father and I'm going to do as He leads me to do. I'm just going to be obedient to Him. And so this passage of Scripture right here is saying to you, this is what a Christian looks like. If you love me, it's going to be easy for you to follow my commands, which is just believe in Jesus and love others. Think about this for a second. Jesus perfected the law, right? He perfected the law. When I say he perfected the law, he did what? He took the, the Ten Commandments. He took all of Exodus, took all of Deuteronomy, took all of Leviticus, all the laws that were written not by the Pharisees, but by God, and he obeyed them perfectly, right? He obeyed them perfectly, right? He's the only person on the face of the earth that has obeyed every law perfectly. Based upon what Jesus said, do you believe that he did this in his own strength or through his father's strength? Through his father's strength. You see this? Jesus didn't even do it. He said, what you've seen me do, you've seen my Father do through me. He's the one that perfected the law through me. So why in the world do we think that we could live out the law perfectly? 
The only way that we do it perfectly is the Father through Jesus and Jesus through us. That's it. That's it. How do you do that? You get to know him. Out of the intimacy of knowing the Father comes obedience. What we have a tendency to do, (laughs) when someone messes up, we tell them to obey. And if they obey, then the Father's going to love them. That's totally backwards from what we just sat here and read in the Scripture. Like we, when someone goes through crisis, when somebody messes up, we literally say, okay, well, you need to do this, 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 and this. I can tell you, I'll have many sad breakfast lunches or whatever with people that go through crisis, and I'm always going to tell them the one thing. Know the Father. You've got to go straight to the intimacy. If you want to deal with the crisis in your life, I don't care about what you do, but go to the intimacy. That says a lot. If you've got crisis and you're dealing with, I don't know what you're dealing with. I know there's a lot going on in here. And you could come up with a plan to make things work. But that's in your own strength. But if you go to the intimacy, the intimacy with the Father, and you know the Father, the Creator is going to show you exactly what you need to do. Not only will He show you what you do, but He's going to do it for you. I believe that with all my heart. I will always go back to the same answer. So just telling you right now, if you want to have breakfast with me, here's my answer to you. Know the Father. Don't do anything else. Just know the Father. Go hang out with Him. Figure Him out. Because He really wants to do what you couldn't do or can't do. That's live your life for you. I'll do it for you. So you see the people in crisis and you go, well, what does that say? They've been doing it in their own flesh. What do they need to do? Know the Father. Know the Father. Figure it out. This is what Jesus is saying to his 11. I know you guys are freaking out that I'm going to be gone, but I promise you, I got you if you just trust me. Just trust me. I believe and I trust that God's word is true. I close with these verses. It says, I've told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. This is my command. Here we go. Love one another as I have loved you. I've done this for you. You're able to do this for for anyone. He says, no one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. I say this, what is a friend? (laughs) It's not an accountability partner. I can't hold anybody in this room accountable, including my wife. I can't. You're going to make your own choices. I'm not going to be your accountability partner. It's impossible. What I will be is your friend.
and I want to get to know you as my friend. And if I know my friend, they're going to know me, and I'm going to know what's going in their life that I don't have to ask them any direct questions. I pretty much know Keith pretty well. He knows me pretty well. We know when there's stuff going on in each other's life. There's other people in this room that I have the same relationship with. That's what a friend does. Jesus says, you're all my friends, disciples, you're all my friends, believers, you're all my friends, but watch this. I'm not only laying my life down for my disciples and for you, but I lay my life down for God the Father and the Spirit. I lay my life down for the Father so that he can have a family. And I lay my life down for the Spirit so he can have a temple to come to. That's you. You're the temple. Jesus laid his life down for the disciples, for you, God the Father, and the Spirit. No greater love was displayed than what Jesus did for us at the cross. I promise you. If you are my friends, he says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. What's he command you? Believe in Jesus' name. And love others. That's how we know who Jesus' disciples are. That's how we know who's a friend of Jesus. Because you talk about Jesus, you live and breathe Jesus, and you display it through loving one another. Father, uh, we cannot do this. We've proven it, you've proven it to us, and you've told us. And so now we have to trust you. We have to trust that <laughs> that what I've said from this stage one is not me speaking. If it's me speaking, Lord, help these people. But I pray that you've spoken here today, that we're abiding in your word, that you love us, that you teach us how to love even the unlovable God, you're going to have to do that. You're going to have to do that. And I trust that you will. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.